Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, the edge to my Christian, Eric Kareen. Eric, how are you, buddy? I am well. Blake, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little little tired. You know, it's playoff time, so the energy yeah, level gets sleep. a little low for, for 10.30 a.m. podcasts. 10, 10.45. 10.45. I gave you that extra 15 minutes to get a little cat nap, and if you didn't use it, that's not my fault. I used it to finish an episode of Barry, the new Bill Hader ah, show. And that's that's going well. It's pretty. I I watched the first two episodes. There are four or five, I think. But it's yeah. uh, it seems like it's going to be funny. Yeah. Have you seen? That's it? That's what I've heard. I have not. The premise is great. So we'll, yeah. And Bill Hader. And Bill Hader is uh is just very likable. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be good. It's funny so far. Good. Yes. Also, a good first two showings. That's right. Hey, Raptors uh-huh. in the NBA playoffs. For the first time in franchise history, the Toronto Raptors won a game one at home. For the first time in franchise history, the Toronto Raptors are up two games to nothing in a playoff series. For the first time in franchise history, the Raptors fan base no longer appears to be racked with panic four or five days into the postseason. Eric, this is very unfamiliar territory, uncharted or unchartered. Waters, uh, if you want to want to pick one of those and stick with it, Eric, how are you feeling? Um, it's I don't know how to how to deal with this. Like, like you know, the moment that the Raptors became Vegas favorites to emerge from the Eastern Conference after Game One uh, of this series and the Cleveland loss. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. What do I do with it, Blake? I don't know. Uh, what I've run into is I haven't run out of, I haven't run into any jam ups writing about the team winning the first two games. I do feel like if they go up three nothing, I'm going. It's like the video breakdowns and that like really granular stuff I do is always easier after a loss uh, yes. because you want to look for ways that they could improve. Uh, And when you win by 11 or even by 8 and you're up by 23 in a game, you know, looking for those tiny marginal ways that you can improve seems a little less. um, The leverage is a little less high. The the marginal value of those situations is a little less. If they go up 3-0, I don't know if I could write a 3-0 recap. I'm not, I don't do well in general with with good things. Uh, the, The absence of angst is making me very angsty. You know what I might do if the Raptors go up 3 nothing? Go to Wizards practice on Saturday. Oh, yeah, you're going to be on the road. Vulture it up. Yeah, write the obit. Love, you know, that's, a, you know, after the, after the walk-off game, uh, sorry, not the walk-off game, the bat flip game, uh, I went to the Texas room uh, just because. That must have that smelled was... terribly of, never mind. Um, um it, it there there was uh, a lot of emotions in there. That's probably them, one word for it. None yeah, of, none of them positive. No, they have uh, like I, I assume the Rangers locker room just has like those diaper disposal bins all over. Hey, yeah. Like all my oh, friends. I'm... When when I go home and visit, 
uh, Cambridge, all my friends have kids, and they all have this, like, diaper genie thing, and it's very unfamiliar to me, but that's the only place I, I stop- recognize it from, the Rangers, I guess the Royals and the Orioles locker rooms as well. I will I will say, say that uh, the Cole Hamels was very magnanimous that evening. Yeah, so Cole Hamels seems, seems decent. Uh, speaking of bad smells, uh, in in the DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet scrums uh, on Tuesday night, I was standing right next to the uh, towel, the used towels uh, bin at the at the front, I guess you would say, of the Raptors locker room. Uh, it got me good position and good uh, access where I wouldn't have to be reaching over a bunch of people with my arm. I made other trade-offs. Yeah, here, here was my thing about that. I'm not, I don't believe myself to be a very smelly person in general, but I didn't realize that I was basically posting up that dirty towel bin, and I was in a position where I had to reach. So when I smelt that, like the smell of stale towels, I was like really worried for five seconds that it was me that smelled. <laughs> and then I kind of looked over my shoulder. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh hey, yeah, no, that's not me. Sweat, I, like I don't, sweat, I don't. The, the sweat from people who just burned more calories in a few hours than I burn in two weeks. Yeah. I'm a, you know, I don't think I've ever been the smelly guy in a scrum. Those people have existed in the past, though, so I'm very aware of it. Yes. Uh, anyway, not smelly. Eric was the play of the <laughs> Toronto Raptors. Oh, uh, that was. Let's, you know, if we had, like, an actual producer, we could say, like, rewind that, and yeah. then we'd get go back to that segue, and it would be glorious. Yeah. Play it back. Play it back. Uh, okay, so the Raptors are up two games to nothing. Uh, we could talk a little bit about Tuesday's game. I think Saturday's game is probably a little stale now to get into the, the specifics, but Tuesday's game was very encouraging. The Raptors came out, and for the second game in a row, opened up a big lead early. For the second game in a row... The starters beat the hell out of the Wizards starters. The starters, the Raptors starters have, I forget the number, but it's an enormous net rating in 37 minutes together through two games. Uh, the Wizards have only played their starters together 26 minutes because Marcin Gortat has dealt with foul trouble and being body bagged. Um, and he has, or they haven't played those guys as much and they're still, they've still been a huge, I think they're like a negative 60 net rating or something. Yeah, like I don't have, I don't have the lineup, uh, ratings but for example Ananobi is plus 17.8 DeRozan 24 uh Ibaka 24.3 Lowry 22.1 uh Valanciunas 28 so you know good yeah so that was great they got to do a good start um up as many as 23 uh 21 even in the first quarter they kind of took their foot off the gas which I know people feel a certain way about it's a playoff game that's 48 minutes long, and the Wizards are a pretty good team. You're probably not going to open up a 20-point lead without a counter push at some point. The counter push got a little extreme in the fourth quarter. Dwayne yeah. Casey couldn't play Fred Van Bleet. He played less than three minutes. Less than three or fewer than three minutes? Fewer than three. Fewer than three minutes yeah. in the first half. And they took him out because they said he looked tentative, and they weren't comfortable with him being out there. So second half, you know, you saw Norm Powell for a bit. You saw Lorenzo Brown. You saw Lucas Noguera. None of that really worked. They turn it back to a primary starter, right miles and three starters, and they just pulled away from there, including 
basically a dagger alley-oop from Lowry to DeLon Wright after DeMar DeRozan saved a ball inbounds. Uh, DeLon, DeLon's scrum was was really, I guess cute is the word for it. I don't know. His like his humbleness and bashfulness about throwing down his first career alley-oop was very, it was very entertaining to me. Great question by me. Excellent let's, question let, by you. Let's just give my, me the credit there. Yeah, I, I know that they did the actual work, but I did my work. Got to go to work, Blake. Yeah, gotta go. Uh, he said he said it was his first alley oop that he's thrown down in the NBA. Uh, I'm not sure that's true. I unofficially uh, verified it. Oh, NBA savant has uh, shot search, and assuming yeah. that all alley oop dunks are classified properly, he has never had an alley oop dunk in the NBA before. Wow. Yes. Nice time for it. I asked the question, is that a top 10 Raptors fun playoff moment? Um, who, to whom to, did you ask this question? Uh, Twitter. Oh. Um, or maybe I just made a statement. Uh, and I think it's got to be, it's, it's not in the top 10. It's got to be close. I would lean toward it being in the, in the top 10, but just not way up there because of the low leverage nature of the moment. Um, Although but, I will say it, it's maybe low leverage. But I think from like a story of the game perspective, it was a pretty fitting cap. And I think it was a pretty big moment in terms of where this team is in this series and in their growth. Because you had this, you know, they came out, they won game one like they were supposed to. It wasn't a blowout. It was a tight game that both teams probably felt uh, a certain level of comfort with how it played out. Game two, they come out, they they stick it to them, and then they almost gave it all back up. That 23-point lead was down to five. And in years past, you know, this team would maybe fold, or maybe that gets into a gritty closeout where, you know, the, the crunch time offense is highlighted as a problem or something like that. Instead, the Raptors just stopped it right there, took this run, um, the right, I forget the exact number of the run, it was something like a 19-4 to run to or 17-4 to or something like that to... Um, to just put it right back, right back away. Um, so I thought. Yeah, I know, it was I, I it was it, 108, 108, 103, I think was as close as it got, and then Miles hit the three. Yeah. Uh, so it ended up being anyway. We yeah. don't need to do the math here. Yeah. It's not so exciting. it was it was pretty big in terms of the moment and the flow of the game. You know, it's not a leverage wise. It's not the Norman Powell dunk against the Pacers, but I don't know. It's up there, man. Yeah. You, you know what game I thought was a decent comparable uh, for last night was game six against the Bucks uh, when the Raptors built the, uh, granted on the road, different situation, obviously closeout game, but the Raptors built a huge lead. And then I believe that game got, was tied at one point uh, yes. or, um, and that just shows maybe, maybe not like good teams, can still blow games, uh, you know, this stuff happens. There are no bad teams but, in the playoffs is uh, something that helps to that end. Yeah. Although uh, maybe the 2017-18 Bucks break that. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, but, you know, the Raptors didn't allow this to get that far. And, you know, a lot of that is C.J. Miles hitting a contested 29-footer, which uh, off a terrible possession, which is nice. With the uh, shot clock but, about to expire. Yeah, well, part of it is uh, the defense just, you know, responding in a way you'd like them to after uh, John Wall had sort of run it down their throats again. 
John Wall still pretty good, even yep. as he's yelling at Marching Gortad and Bradley Beal has his head buried in a towel. Yes. I wonder, but you know that probably a smelly towel too. That's probably part of it. Um. Well, you know, do you smell your own sweat all of the time? I think so. Like at the end of a basketball game, I know I am I am not Just, fresh. Yeah. 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 Anyway, maybe they're more used to it because they're in better shape and sweat more than once a week. Uh, probably. By the way, did you guys end up finishing last in the league? We sure did. Congratulations. Number one pick. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's that's how it will play out. Yeah, number one pick. <laughs> um, all right, so that moment obviously ranks pretty highly. In general, I thought it was a, a good game for the Raptors. You mentioned the defense. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a – the defense overall is a bit of a concern. You know, rating – net rating of – or defensive rating of 109.6. Uh, the bench as a whole – is not exactly playing well, which isn't, I guess, a huge surprise. Well, it is and it isn't, because the Washington bench on paper is trash. Uh, and But to counter that, Fred Van Vliet has played fewer than three minutes. So, you know, these yeah. things cancel each other out, maybe. Also, Mike Scott and Ty Lawson have shot a combined 200%. Yes. That might not be all, statistically all numbers, accurate. All numbers approximate. Yeah, but Ty Lawson hit four or five on threes. Ty Lawson looked really good, which is, you know, I guess... So good, so good that Scott Brooks was like, I don't need you, Otto Porter. I need you, Ty Lawson. I need you, Bradley Beal, setting a record for worst plus minus in a playoff game against the Raptors. I need you and your minus 39 or 41 or whatever ended up being. Yes. Not great. Uh, but, you know... Shouts uh, to OG. OG did a nice job on him. And uh, OG did had a couple of good possessions on John Wall, too. OG is good. He is good. I, I love the... I mean, his rebounding's been up. He is really mastering the timing and the spacing on those baseline cuts. Yeah. he's He's got... And he's been, like, you know, active on the glass as well. I think he's... How many offensive rebounds? I mean, probably not that many, but I, I think, I he think he's, he's got. Over he's, the two games? Yeah, that's I think he's got at least one basket off an offensive rebound in both games. So that's uh, it. Ain't nothing. Okay, so the Wizards. We should probably look forward because there's. I mean, we could talk a lot about all the good stuff that happened, but um, you know, the playoffs are always forward looking. Can't yes. get happy on the farm, Eric. Can't get fat and. Fat and or sassy. Can't get either fat nor sassy. Uh, the Raptor, the Wizards are probably going to make some adjustments. Um, the the one that Scott Brooks hinted at after the game, and I kind of think he was just like playing around with the media, was that someone asked him about the job Mike Scott has done as a backup center, and Brooks said, yeah, he's been so good, maybe he's a starting center. Uh, Marching Gortat has been downright terrible in this series. He offers no rim protection, no real threat with the ball outside of the restricted area. He is a good screen setter, um, and he's physical enough defensively that if you can't get past him at the point of attack, um, you know he can kind of get in your way a little bit, but he, he offers nothing once you garner that switch or once you're going downhill at him. The Wizards starting Mike Scott might look like the right idea based on two games' worth of data. I think the Raptors would be just fine. Jonas Valanciunas, eight. 
on Tuesday night. And, and the Raptors didn't put him back in the game. Dwayne Casey said it was because, basically, I, th- I think at that point, Mike Scott was at the five, and there was no other even natural power forward on the foot. Like, I think Kelly Oubre was the four, and they had yeah, Lawson was, out with uh, the starting backcourt. Lawson, Wall, Beal, and, and Oubre, I yeah. guess, yeah. Ubre, by the way, who Drake called a bum and used a bunch of Toronto slang that I don't know what it means against him. Uh, that was pretty funny. The, seeing yeah. the video of Drake shit-talking Kelly Ubre and then Ubre trying to pass it off later because they're both uh, they're both on the Hollywood A-list tip in the summertime. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Kelly, I, I like Kelly Ubre a lot. How could you not? Yeah, the waviest. Uh, yes. Anyway... So they they closed that small, and Dwayne Casey, he said after the game, in a way that was pretty encouraging, that he he foresees Jonas Valanciunas being able to stay on the floor and defend those kind of guys in the not-so-distant future. They didn't do it here. I think if the Wizards started Mike Scott, the Raptors would be just fine with Jonas Valanciunas at the five. Scott is not yeah, going sorry, sorry, go, go ahead. You see how it goes. You know, that, that puts him and Morris out there. It gives you more spacing, and Mike Scott... Has yet to miss in the playoffs. Uh, he's, he's actually yet to miss against act- the Raptors in his career. Actually, yeah, he's actually fourteen for twenty and four for five from three. It's very it's not good. The, it's not missing, but it is very good. Uh, but you know, there are more. Like there becomes even less rim protection, uh, and those situations are exploitable. And the Raptors, you know, they still haven't broken out the Ibaka-Siakam combo uh, because they haven't needed to. But if they need to, that's the natural answer to that. Yeah, and, Siakam's got to play a little better on Scott yeah, and Morris yeah. type. But, so. like, defensive, but defensively, it'd be fine. Yeah. But I think they're, I think they're fine anyway. Like, Scott is not going to continue shooting yeah. at that high level. Valanciunas is going to kill them on the glass. Like, the Morris... The more Scott Frontcourt got away with something like a 48.7% rebound rate in game one over like 17 minutes, uh, they're not going to do that over any sample at all against Valanciunas. Uh, the Raptors funneled some possessions into the post. Scott and Morris can both kind of throw a body at a post up, but Jonas Valanciunas has enough moves and counters and passes well enough out of there to cutters now that uh, you'd be okay funneling some possessions that way. I, I don't really trust Morris or Scott guarding DeMar DeRozan in the pick and roll like if they're your if you're if you're going DeRozan Valanciunas pick and roll uh with one of those guys at center that's a, that's a big edge uh yeah. I, know, I I would I would completely understand why Randy Whitman would try it and I think he would be trying to at least bait yeah, a little but what bit if, what if uh, Scott Brooks tried it yeah who did I say Randy Whitman. See, this is how bad the Wizards have been through two games. <laughs> uh, hey, Randy Whitman beat the Raptors and the Bulls in the With playoffs. an upside-down whiteboard. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, Scott Brooks, sorry. Uh, this is this is how bad the Wizards slander has gotten with just a 2 nothing lead. That I'm just instinctively calling Scott Brooks Randy Whitman. Anyway, uh, if Brooks did it, I would think the intent is at least a little bit to get Valanciunas off the floor and try to dare the Raptors to take him off the floor. Um, you know, the logic, we talked about this a little before the series, and I didn't really... Oh, no, maybe that was with William Liu. Yeah, I think Will, when I was doing a preview pod with Will, he thought Valanciunas could maybe spend more bench minutes because Mahimi's bad on the bench. And um, Anyway, I don't think Casey would give in and counter the way that Scott Brooks would hope because I think Valanciunas is doing well enough to, to, yeah, to you pay got for it. those. 
you got to make them prove that it's not worth it, right? And like, I'm you not, you know, marching towards that. And I'm, is, not, I'm not convinced that would happen either. Yeah, I don't, I'm not matching my my minutes to marching Gortat and Jan Mahimi when I have the best, maybe the best two big men in the series. Uh, I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm leveraging that advantage instead of trying to match up to the tiny edge Washington's getting back. Yeah, like, unless you're just, it's egregious and you can't, you're either, like, leaking for, like, you just can't cover the three-point line at all or, you know, walls getting to the to the rim easily, which is already sort of happening. So, uh, unless either of those becomes a huge problem, you live with it and you take advantage on the other end. And the Wizards team is not good and deep enough and good enough as a shooting team uh, to take advantage of it on paper. Uh, they are shooting 42% from three in this series, and it doesn't matter because they've shot 43 three-pointers, and the Raptors have shot 65. Yeah, I was going to say, that's kind of... The Raptors' shot spectrum has been pretty much what they had hoped coming into this series. A few more non-paint twos yesterday than in Game 1, but in Game 1 they only had six, I believe. Uh, and yeah. Washington, we talked about this entering the series... It's interesting because Washington's offense is designed to take advantage of what the Raptors' defense wants to give up. The Raptors want to give up. They want to st- limit you from shooting at the rim, and if you shoot at the rim, they want to contest, and they want you to not shoot threes. And, and the Wizards have, you know, Mike Scott has killed them in the mid-range a little bit, but you still take Mike Scott shooting mid-range jumpers um, because even if he hits, you know, 50% of them, that's only a point per possession uh, which is less than the Raptors are giving up otherwise. Uh, but John Wall's the the big thing. John Wall has been getting to the rim. He's been getting to the free throw line. He has 21 free throws through two games. Uh, he was 2 of 10 at the rim in game one and then finished a little better in game two. Do you see any, like, obviously the Raptors are going to try to change some things up and contain Wall better without leaving an opening for Beal to get going because that's kind of the... You know, that's kind of the trade-off you worry about. If you send extra help on Wall and it lessens the attention you pay to Beal, you know, that might not help you overall. But if, you, if you're if you Dwayne Casey and you're sitting down these next two days, how are you thinking about tweaking the John Wall coverage? Um, Coach Eric. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't do much. You hope your primary defenders do a better job. Uh, you go, you know, I'm still... I'm still amenable for both teams going under more than they're going under on screens. Although the Wizards were sort of, you know, I heard Jakob Pertl saying it in a different, in a different interview last night that the Wizards at a point were just sort of random. Like you couldn't predict what they were going to do in basic pick and roll scenarios because they were mixing it up so much. Uh, you know, they got away, I think, from the blatant you know, we're trapping these guys in all scenarios. And, and well, hey, what do you know? DeMar DeRozan had 37 points. Yeah, um, I guess we've kind of buried <laughs> that, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you, you want to dare John Wall to shoot from the perimeter a bit more than he has, but you're still getting those, like, getting him to take those shots. I think, you know, I want to say he's been pretty decent on them. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I wouldn't go, like, yeah, the def- defensive numbers overall haven't been good. Uh, but I also think a lot of that's coming from just fouling, which the Raptors do a lot of, you know? Yeah. Like, 
they get in, you know, there's always one quarter, sometimes more than that, a game where they've just committed four fouls in four minutes, and then there's a march to the free throw line. Uh, and what do you do about that? Like, you just, you've, you need Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl to stay away, and, you know, Lucas, five fouls in five minutes, and uh, Nagar to stay away from those types and, and of situations. And C- CJ's been pretty foul-prone in this series, too, but he's been, shooting, he's been shooting well enough that it doesn't, he's still been a positive, yeah. but he is, he's very quick to foul. Uh, John Wall Although switched Tyler on to... literally created one by shoving his arm into him last night. Yes. Oh, yeah, the elbow to the chops. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was stiff. Um, can but we just, Lauren, there's Lauren no way, not. yeah, I was going to say, there's no way she's listening to this podcast, but Lauren Miles is such a treat on Twitter during the games. Um, her tweeting like the, the Key and Peel sweating gif when CJ was switched guarding John Wall. <laughs> like just <laughs> yeah, full on to, I don't follow, I don't follow her, but I'm going to have to start. But like yeah, she's, she's tweeted enough into my feed that, yeah. uh, you know, feels like I did. She just full on roasts CJ during the game. Yeah. Usually yeah. only when he's playing well. Like I don't, she doesn't do it as much when he's playing poorly, but it's, it's pretty funny. Also, someone asked her if CJ's game was gonna get him the yeah, Gabriel yeah, Union. Saw, yeah. yeah, that was very good. I had to delete some tweets about it because it was, <laughs> it was very funny to me that someone. It is. Would ask it is that. funny. Yes, uh, people are just insane. Also funny. Uh, very good, Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozaning after the game at the podium. That's how you know that. The playoff uh, angst is gone when yes. the bromance makes its playoff debut. I want to say it's its playoff debut. I believe uh, so. Things are so angsty at this time of year; they can't go. Uh, they can't go full bromantic. Yeah, normally, but now Demar is comparing himself to Neo. Uh, Demar is also saying that he didn't go out there looking to score thirty or forty, and Kyle Lowry is being very upset at that comment because <laughs> DeRozan scored thirty-seven. Um, they were great. Lowry, by the way, had another bad shooting night. One of eight on threes. Uh, he controlled the entire game. He's like, been he, so good. He's gone he's full Halo, so like like for almost the entire, uh, almost the entirety of these two games. He had eleven assists last night and, and a lot of rebounds. Um, he's been really, really good. Yeah, he leads uh, the the series in uh, just raw plus minus. Which makes sense because he's played seventy four minutes. Um, also, because he's really good, and, and because he's really good, yeah. Yes, uh, there he's is. Just, I, I'm, he's I doing everything which... except hitting his threes. You know, like and yeah. those will those will come in some games. Like he's not he's not going to shoot sixteen percent from three. Uh, I don't think for the entire playoffs. Uh, but if he's given you the rest and you're you're getting three point shooting from other guys anyway. Uh, which, you know, will fall off in certain games. It fell off in the second half on, on Tuesday. Uh, but the Raptors can live with that. Uh, they still managed to score 54 points in the second half, despite only going two for 13 from three. So And still uh, dealing with turnover issues, which has been uh, probably their, their biggest offensive weakness. How many turnovers games. they have last night? They had 14, 14, so they're at, yeah. I think, 33 through two games, which is well yeah. above their normal rate. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, and that's probably part of why John Wall's been so good too. Yeah, that that helps a player of his skill set. Or Ty Lawson's, which mm. you know, I don't know. I kind of I kind of feel like Ty Lawson. I was taken aback at shoot around at just how good a shape he looks to be in because obviously Ty Lawson has had a reputation for not always being in exceptional shape despite his speed. 
Uh, he looked great at shoot-around. He looked great last night. I kind of wonder if maybe he just played well enough that now Scott Brooks is going to trust him and he's going to go back to having the Pacers series net rating. Maybe. I mean, look, it's never... I, I was thinking of writing about this, and I don't really quite know how to. But, you know, Dwayne Casey using 13 players, which, you know, he shouldn't have, but he should what, not have. whatever. But him going deep into his bench looks so different than the Wizards and Scott Brooks going, you know, off the board just because of the context yeah. uh, of what's going on, you know. They're both searching for something, but Dwayne has a reason to believe he knows what he's looking for, whereas Scott Brooks is just sort of grasping at straws. Yes. And the, I, w- I will some, say... Some uh, correct ones, you know, like, yeah. uh, it's not a total guess, but there is more, you know, just pure hope involved. Yeah. And I don't think Sadoransky's playing enough either. I was, yeah, I was going to say that. He's at... Uh, 15 minutes a game, 26, 26 total minutes, yeah. five field goal attempts. That's uh, not enough given his positional size. Um, yeah, he's good. He's been good. Players. All I've heard, is I, I, I didn't see a ton of Wizards down the stretch, but all I heard was like how big of a role he filled for them. And, you know, it's a bit worrisome when you go away from the, that, from your core guys for, you know, based on, a game or a game and a half. Uh, it, it shows how fragile the cohesive nature of your team is, uh, or the cohesion of your team is. And sure does. Yeah, it's up to paint a picture right now where the Wizards aren't a fragile group. Yeah. That's Which isn't uh, safe. Can't steal the next two, not steal, take the next two games. Like they're, they've been the better team at various points of the series. Uh, and if they could do it with more, if they can sustain it longer with, you know, the home crowd, uh, it wouldn't be a shock. But no. also, if you give them one or two good punches, they might stay down. They might stay down. Um, it does. I, yeah. I, I have something I'm going to tell you off air. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, you show, show proof of subscription to the athletic, and I'll, I'll tell you what it is. But um, no, uh, I I do think there's something to the fragility of the Wizards, and I think you know there were a couple moments where the Raptors bench was were all standing up and like being clearly vocal towards some of the Wizards, and I think maybe you can squint and in tune what they might be talking smack about in the flow of the game. <laughs> That's that's the most delicate way I can word it, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, just me. Yeah. So, uh, DeRozan was very good. We could go into a lot of DeRozan stuff. I kind of did the... I shouldn't have done the pick-and-roll execution breakdown after Game 1, because as good as he was in Game 1, despite a 6 of 17 performance, he was even better in Game 2. Uh, 37 points on, I think, 28 used possessions, uh, 5 assists, a secondary assist. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, by the way, have combined for 55 potential assists through two games. In the regular season, they combined to average 45 for every two games. So uh, their their assist potential assist creation, which is um, you know basically how, how many passes they're dishing that could could conceivably lead to shots, uh, is way up, which is really encouraging, especially when DeRozan is also scoring 37 points. 
to paraphrase Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan is a bad friend, but good at basketball. There you go. Speaking of bad friends, uh, we should probably get close to wrapping this up, because I can't imagine you want to spend more time with me. Uh, I just don't think there's, you know, as a few people, including yourself, have pointed out, I know Zach Lowe was making the same point, uh, there's just not a ton to break down in terms of strategy right now. Both you know? teams have like, basically played the way they play. Washington deviated a bit last night in, in that random sort of set. And like we talked about, you could see Mike Scott come in. Maybe you see more, you know, smaller lineups in general, whether it's Scott or Morris at the five. Um, but that's all there is. Like there's no, there's no other adjustments to be made right now. Uh, the personnel sort of dictates what's going on and the Wizards aren't, again, they don't have the bench to suddenly change their style. No, they don't. So they could just, I mean, it's not, we, we kind of covered it. It's not inconceivable the Wizards could bounce back and just play better with their primary seven or eight guys. Uh, Beal can be better. Serge Ibaka is decisively winning the Markeith Morris matchup. Oh. Uh, I, fa- I found it very yeah. interesting. Not only have both of these games been two of Serge, Serge Ibaka's better games, um, game one, Morris kind of matched him for stats, but you look at the matchup data, and when they were guarding each other, Ibaka absolutely cooked him, and Morris got almost all of his against non-Ibaka Raptors. So, um, very, Ibaka's been great. Like, very good two games uh, for him. Even last night, he shot four of 11 and had 10 points, and I thought he was one of the best players on the floor for yeah. most of the game. Yeah, it's like, when he comes back on, it's like, yep, this is it's going to be fine. Uh, having, which is not what people were saying during the regular season. Having good role players around your two stars is, uh, it's a look. Yeah, you might want to try it. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if there's a ton more to say. We could get into the Fred Van Vliet thing more. Do you think he, like, obviously, in hindsight, he should not have played if he, if they were going to have that quick a hook on him and they weren't 100% about him playing, he shouldn't have played. But, uh, you know, do you do you understand the gamble there? Do you think he he'll play Friday based on absolutely no information at all? I mean, if they were going to pull him after three minutes, uh, he should not have played. It shouldn't come to that situation. You know, this is part of the reason for the Raptors' depth is to be able to handle the loss of a player, even if it's a pretty important player. And you know, ball. You know, creating off the dribble is one between Lowry, DeRozan, and then, you know, DeLon Wright. They have a lot of that. Uh, so they shouldn't have forced it. Uh, whether we'll see him on the weekend, it sort of depends on the nature of his injury, which the team, you know, has said he's sore. I don't know. Like, that's, it seems kind of like a bizarre, we're not, you know, we're telling the truth, but not the whole truth type situation. Uh, we'll see that, you know, I mean, whether we know the truth or not, um, it seems more complicated than just, ow, my shoulder hurts. Uh, but so, so I, we just don't have enough information right now to, to make a guess, uh, about whether he plays on Friday. That's sort of how I feel about it. I would agree with that. And I think, you know, there's an interesting trade-off where you want him to get in a game 
so that he's not completely rusty for uh, the second round. You obviously can't look that far ahead, though. So if having him out there is potentially going to cost you in a game three, um, you know, if it's a game four and you're up three nothing, that's a different thing. But if it's going to cost you potentially in a game three, or you know, you only have twelve guys you feel comfortable using instead of thirteen, uh, you know, maybe you have to evaluate that differently. Also, nope. Lorenzo Lorenzo Brown is fine. G League MVP. Yeah. I did not appreciate that Scott Brooks didn't counter with Tim Frazier, so we could have G League MVP I, versus G League MVP. I know how upset you were, but at least you got the what's G League MVP you? to yeah, G League MVP to G League Finals MVP feed for the dunk and one. Not an alley oop, I don't think, but okay. was, uh, fed him for the dunk that, and the harm. That was a sweet play before it all fell apart. Yeah, and then Siaka missed the free throw too. Yeah. Damn. 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 All right, we have a randomly. I did not put out a call for questions, but Justin Mallet just asked us a question um, right as we're recording, so let's do it. Uh, he wants to know who the big man is in the suit that's always near the Raptors bench and walks them in and out of the tunnel. That's John, right, the security guy? John Attilia. Attilia. That's the uh, that's the last name I couldn't put my tongue on. Yeah, it's John Attilia. He's head of security. Is that his official job title? I think so. He's a guy you don't want to mess with. Yeah. I would I would certainly not mess with him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't don't uh, give him a cross-eyed glance. Yeah. If you if you're considering it. Yeah. Don't. Justin. Don't yeah. even think about it. Yeah. Justin. All right, Eric. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we move forward? We probably won't talk until after Game Four. Maybe after no after Game Four. Game Five wouldn't be until Wednesday, right? So. Yeah. We talk to you on one of those practice days. I won't be there on the Monday, as we've discussed, but That's we could good. potentially do a podcast from my hotel room on Monday uh, morning or, or figure on the out Tuesday, another time. whatever. We'll see what the series whatever. is. Um, Look, yeah. we might be doing a Raptors-Pacers preview, series preview at that point. Who knows? Uh, probably. Uh, anyway, do you have any No, any there's nothing. I, I, have, I have nothing else. Like, that's, that's a good amount. I, I think... Uh, you'd like to see, I guess I, the, my other thought is it'd be nice if the Raptors reserve big men were playing better, but what you going to do? Yeah, you get, look, Lucas O'Gara very rarely plays well in garbage time. And I think maybe he was in garbage time mode when he entered last night and hung the quickest minus 19 I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to note that he played five minutes and they were minus 19, which means they were plus 30 in the 43 other yeah. minutes. <laughs> Tough night for Bebe coming off of a very good night for Bebe. Hey, yeah, Siakam's passing down. When Bebe has a good game in the playoffs, you cannot sit around and wait for the next yes. good Bebe game, given the role he has. That is write not, that right then. That is not to besmirch Bebe, who we both think is good. But in his role, he is just as likely to do what he did Tuesday as to do what he did on Saturday. I don't think that's true. I don't think he's as likely. I think if you isolated his performances... Go ahead. Look, were I to develop a baseball-like leverage index for basketball and apply it to guys' performances in games, I would assume that Bebe performs much better or just much worse in garbage time. I think yeah. that's like I, that's anecdotally true, and I think it would bear itself out in the numbers. Yeah. Well, so I, I agree. Just don't put Bebe in when you're up that big. Only use him when you're desperate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
it's an interesting situation to have a you know a, a depth guy who can't play well in garbage time. Yes. <laughs> you know, like when that is uh, 75% of his role. Yeah. Okay, so the bench bigs could serve to play a little better. DeLon Wright's been great. Uh, CJ Miles has shot the ball well. Fred Van Vliet is a giant question mark. Uh, the Raptors have won these two games without... I guess I guess they leaned on their depth a lot in game one, but not the depth you'd necessarily expect with that because Fred Van Vliet was out and they went Lowry and bench... Uh, with Noguera for kind of the big part of that game. And then last night, it was mostly just the starters and Miles and Wright. It was really only seven guys who who made those kind of big um, contributions. So yeah. I guess I guess they could take comfort in that, in, in that, you know, at some point they'll probably have everyone clicking. Or if the starters have an off night, you know, the, the bench guys pick it up. But I think all of this is, you know, enough has gone not awesome and enough has gone over expectation that, as tough as it is, because literally Raptors fans have never been here before, a 2-0 series lead as you head out on the road is not that commanding. And that's that's a little tough to, to navigate, I think, because 2-0 feels like a lot, and you'd have to lose four of the next five games to lose the series. Um, but it is not, you know, it's not 100%. The, the Raptors' yeah, win well, probability right now is about 90% based on the Vegas line, which is very good. But, you know, don't be surprised if the Wizards do... Use the next two days to, I don't know, go bowling or whatever teams do when they're in disarray. And then, uh, you know, what did the Jays do? They napped. They napped yes. during a delay. Um, maybe the Wizards just need a nap or a good night out bowling, and then they'll bounce back in Game 3. Yeah, Seriously, I think I, for, I forgot who it was on the Wizards. I read it on the quote sheet. Uh, but they um, they pointed out how in their both of their series last year, you know, against Atlanta, they won the first two games, and then it was tied after four. In, against Boston, they lost the two games, and it was tied after four. Yeah, it was so, dumb. yeah, these things happen, um, and it wouldn't be a huge surprise if it happened here. I do think the Raptors are the better team, and it is nice that they have shown it uh, in the manner to which they are capable. Um, in in the games where you know the best, you know, at home when they are the best home team in the league. All right, last thing before we go. Superstar shakeup. Yeah. I know you haven't watched SmackDown yet, but from Monday Night Raw, what you may have caught online, whomst that has been shooken, are you most excited about? <laughs> Who has been shooken or shaken? Whomst that hath been shooken in the Superstar <laughs> shakeup, are you most excited about? Um... I'd have to say the Miz going to SmackDown yes. to That's work the correct with answer. Yeah. to work with uh, Daniel Bryan. Yes, nobody else was really like you know. As much as I love the intro, um, them saving on Raw the final spot for Bobby Roode was like you know whatever. Yeah, Raw was a little underwhelming. Like Drew McIntyre being back is kind of cool, and if he's the Diesel, the Ziggler's HBK, like McIntyre's, McIntyre is like sneaky gigantic, so he can yeah. be cool. Bobby Roode's kind of just underwhelming, and is going to be just a guy. Um, some of the SmackDown stuff is fun though. I know you haven't watched okay. it yet, but um, no, because it uh, it's airing tonight in Canada versus last night. Yeah, because uh, Sportsnet was hockeying last night. Ah. Um, anyway. Yeah, 
Somehow how dare it. they? The Miz and how Daniel Bryan, I, I, have, I have an idea for how they could really draw that out, and I just think that Miz should play the fatherhood card, and he won't fight Daniel Bryan because he's a father too now, and he can't in good conscience put Daniel Bryan's children at risk like that and risk re-injuring Daniel Bryan. And he could play it like he's entirely sincere, but obviously he's just trying to duck the match. I think that's the... Yeah. Oh, how are you doing after the John Cena-Brie Bella split? Nikki Bella. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, that's okay. Um, I don't care. Okay. I don't care. You know, does does it affect you like the Amy Poehler-Will Arnett split did? No, no. Not nearly as much as Amy Poehler-Will Arnett. Um, No, I don't care at all. I kind of forgot that they were married or engaged or whatever. That that yeah. WrestleMania moment is going to look hilarious, though, in retrospect. Um, the in-ring proposal the, the, oh, yeah. at last year's WrestleMania where uh, the, guys, they didn't guys, even end up getting married. Never propose at a sporting event. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'll Order. go one further than that. Girls, you can, you can propose, too, if you'd like. Just not there. Go further, Blake. Don't ever let anyone love you, and you won't be in that situation at all. Great point. Yeah. Really uplifting note to end this podcast on. Yep. You know what they say, Eric. Flower, flowers rot, ball is life. You don't, <laughs> you don't need to worry about... Uh, what is it? What's the other one? Oh, catch lobs, not feelings? <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking of lobs, Lucas Noguera... Caught what should have been an alley-oop and bounced it off the top of Serge Ibaka's head last night. How have we not mentioned this? Uh, like I said, <laughs> he also got blocked by the point guard. So, this is why he never shoots. Oh, man. He literally bounced... How do you bounce a ball off the top of the head of someone who's six foot ten? With skill. Yeah. When, you, when, you, when your arms make you nine feet tall, that's how you do it. Amazing. That was... Daniel Dale and I argued whether that, or not argued, but we're discussing whether that was the most Bebe pass of all time or not. My contention being that um, uh, the most Bebe pass of all time has to end with something positive and happy. Yeah, so, so right now it's to CJ. Yeah. yeah, it's still the kick out to CJ. Um, also, I disagree with Bebe that John Wall could have stripped that ball from him. I watched it. Back. No, he Gortat was in position to contest half decently. Yeah. John but, Wall was very far away from the play. Yeah. But Gortat is a foot shorter than Bebe and can jump less high than I can. So there, there is that. But he's also seven feet tall, and Bebe, you know, yeah. has his preferences. Yeah. Anyway, that seems like a reasonable place to end this on. Uh, Eric, I will see you tomorrow. And then yes. you're off to Washington, which will be a lot of fun. Do you have a meal planned for Washington? Do you have a dinner or a lunch or anything? Uh, we don't know what. There are a few spots that we went to in 2015 that were good. A friend has sent me some advice as well, some recommendations. So, um, you know, I'm sure we'll end up at Arby's. There you go. Nihilist Arby's or regular Arby's? <laughs> uh, all Arby's are nihilist Arby's. Yes. Life, nothing matters. A two-game lead means nothing. Eat at Arby's. Uh, All right, Eric. uh, You have a good trip, and we will talk to you sometime after game four. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. If only to be a reasonable man.